1: Three, two, one, and we are back. And, uh, Julian, I've been spending a lot of time today on coaching calls. I was on a, um, a very interesting call with a big real estate company today. I'm going to share with you some of the things I learned. Really a fascinating day today overall, I have to say. Um, not a lot of one on one calls. You had a lot of one on one coaching calls Tons. today. Yeah. Tons.
2: Yeah. Good. I I mean, up to this very moment, basically.
1: Right. So I like the days where you actually work on the phones longer Mm -hmm. than me and you work harder. Those are good days.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I also uh, announced your cell phone number for anybody who wants to text you to keep you out of my hair. So that's Wonderful.
1: So what are you hearing?
2: Um, I was thinking when you were going to ask that, Uh, I would say listing agents are really slammed with calls right now. Buyer's agents are slammed with appointments and not always winning. They're being very, they're competitive. Lots of questions on our premier coaching call about how do I make sure I win? And you know, I always have to, my heart goes out to buyer's agents that keep on, you know, throwing it out there, hoping it's gonna work out. And the thing is that not every borrower is a slam dunk. You know, one of the conversations I had today uh, was uh, with a very strong listing agent. And she said she's hearing from buyers You know, I don't, because, you know, she's getting buyer calls on her signs. She asks them about what's going on with their financing, stuff like that, trying to convert them. A common thing is, well, I don't wanna get pre-approved because I'm afraid of what the mortgage company checking my credit will do to my credit, because I know that they're very score sensitive right now. So we had a conversation about that and how do you handle that? You know, get the buyer to run their own credit. If they're like mid 700s, they're gonna be fine because they're over 720. And when a lender runs your credit, it's usually three to five points anyway, so they're not in danger. Well, if you're 719, maybe you have a good point and you need to get it together before you go and do the loan, but what you won't be doing is looking at houses where you can't compete either way. you know. And if it's less than 720, especially significantly less, well, a three-point uh, credit check hit isn't going to harm you that much because you're already not near 720, and maybe you need to look at an FHA lender which will accept down to 560. So these are conversations they weren't having to have 90 days ago.
1: Well, that's right. Because lending
2: was easier and buyers weren't afraid of the credit score uh, scare from lenders. Um, But they also are having to compete at a higher level because there's still less inventory than there should be.
1: So I heard a bunch of things, what you just said. But the main one is, is as a listing agent, uh, you definitely want to be super particular in who you accept your offers from. Because you have to assume that a good bit of the agents that you're going to be, that are out there working with buyers right now, probably have not done a real uh, have not gotten a real pre approval done on their buyers mm-hmm. so we have something that we created for all of our coaching clients this is not included in the free coaching program but those of you in the premier coaching program and above make sure you're using it's called the ultimate ultimate what is it called
2: the ultimate addendum
1: the ultimate addendum and in essence what it does is it makes it so that you don't end up accepting any offers from buyers that can't perform mm-hmm. Um, And I don't want to drill down on that too much. Just go to the website and then log in and download it and start using on every single one of your contracts. And that's going to prevent you from going into contract with a buyer that can't perform. And here's the other thing I heard you say Mm -hmm. for the listing agents. And we have prominent our coaching program is mostly focused on teaching agents how to be listing agents. Those listing agents who are listing, and you have listings, and you're getting supposed buyer calls on your, you know, on your listings. Make sure you're asking, you're using the buyer pre-qualification script that we have. Again, it's part of the premier coaching product. And when, you know, yes. one of the, what first or that's like the second or third, maybe the fourth question is by the way which house in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling now the reason i'm telling you that is because you are going to get especially you know if it's a move up price we're really in all price ranges at this point you're going to get a lot of people that present themselves as buyers who are actually sellers and in some cases it's going to be the neighbor trying to check the price out on the property and the great thing about being in the market now is there's two things we have look I don't like being self-congratulatory with you guys because I don't like hearing other people be self-congratulatory. But just for the sake of, you know, you and your list, all of you listening, you gotta listen to what we're saying because so far everything we've been saying is pretty much exactly spot on. Here's what's happening: Julie just told you that buyer um, buyers are becoming more selective who they work with. I promise you, sellers are a thousand times more, uh, uh-huh. you know. And if you're somebody who's only built your business based on centers of influence and past clients. And you've never really needed to have that much skill set. You just needed to basically be able to little, be somewhat of a social butterfly and do pop-ins and drop off pumpkin pies in November and just essentially be front of mind. The whole front of mind marketing method isn't going to work in a marketplace like this. You might get a shot at the listing appointment, but you won't get the listing because sellers in a market like this become ultra selective on who they list their house with and so what do you do with that information you go a little bit into panic mode if you're going to be honest and realize you don't actually have skills if you don't know what skills you actually need and you're thinking well i don't know what tim's talking about here's a for example well julie you give them examples so the examples of the Mm skill set they need now Mm -hmm. they've always really needed but they need an earnest now that maybe they didn't need. well now it's
2: more like do your deal or don't if you don't have the skill right so pricing has become more sensitive, and I think that you know certainly in competitive listing situations, it's not all about who is most socially connected. It's more about how are you going to get the job done so that well, I can maximize my opportunity. Knowing now. how to
1: pre-qualify the buyers, are, you know, scripting I, is really critical. Knowing how to essentially you're going to walk into situations, guys. Well, Julie and I were looking for investment properties again. I'm starting to watch values. In the markets that we know for sure the prices are going to drop. And I'll tell you where we were looking. We were looking in Miami. And I was seeing examples. And, you know, realtor.com shows you what it last sold for. And then you'll be in a building where, you know, look, I don't know much about Miami yet, but we're learning. And you'll look in a building and there'll be, you know, three bedroom, two and a half bath, listed for you know whatever the price is, and then you'll see with the same view, even sometimes on the same floor, another unit that's listed for like a hundred thousand dollars less. And then you look to see what they both last sold for, virtually the same price. Mm-hmm. So there is an example of one listing agent knows how to price a house correctly. You know, despite the seller's consternation, obviously, and and was able to overcome the objection from that seller. Well, the neighbor's unit is listed for a hundred thousand more. Why is it that you were telling me to list mine for a yeah. hundred thousand less? Well Clearly, the listing agent with a lower price listing knows how to price things to this market and the other agent doesn't. So what's going to happen? And knows
2: ha- how to explain why right. that's critical, right? Especially in a market that actually does have inventory. You know, if you're in a building that has a thousand units and a hundred of them are your model match, you know, who's going to win? The one with the best amenities and best staging you know, floor makes a little bit of a difference in your view, of course, but also competitive pricing. And so this is one of the things that sorts out aspirational priced sellers versus motivational priced sellers. The motivated seller basically, once educated on the right thing to do, will do it. The aspirational, let's just see if we can ride this up. And if it sells for my price, then it sells for my price. You have to be able to get yourself out of that conversation professionally or get them to price it right and be serious.
1: And how about this? What about, con- so again, I know many of you have never had these conversations before, but this is what's going to be coming your way. To Julie's point, you're walking to us, you're having a phone. Well, first of all, never talk to the seller about what, about what you think their house is worth until you're at their house and even then don't give them an exact price until they're actually signing the listing contract. Give them a price range because in a market like this what the sellers are going to do is they're going to shop your price and whoever gives them the highest price will get the listing obviously not necessarily the best thing for the seller, um, but in all reality that's how the game is going to be played in a transitioning market like this. So you're going to have to not only know how to do all the analytical CMA stuff at a high level, you're not only going to have to know how to do that, but you're going to have to know how to predict market trends and how to explain it in the simplistic of ways to the seller, and then you're then going to have to know how to be competitive in a sales situation where someone doesn't essentially buy the listing from you. These and about a billion other things are what we teach. You guys focus all your energies on pretty much the wrong things right now. That's what this last 15 years in real estate has essentially, you know, done. It's taught you guys to focus on the silliness of real estate or the, you know, being creative, the marketing and the branding and the TikToking and all that. How many of you guys are thinking right now you're just going to pound out a bunch of TikTok videos and magically that's going to bring you leads? It's insane. What sellers need right now and what buyers need right now, what you need right now is a someone that you trust that will give you the truthful information even when you don't want to hear it. Isn't that the reason that you listen to Julie and I's podcast every single day?
2: Yeah, so here's the thing. Why do sellers go with the agent who gives them the highest price and the least commission? It's because without an education from, say, your pre-listing package, which explains why you have value and why that it's a bad idea to simply go with the highest price, if you haven't done that, The only way they have to level the playing field is price and commission. That's why they do it. It's not their fault. It's agent's fault for not, you know, preconditioning them what actually is important in the marketplace. That's what we teach in coaching. Pre-listing package, not just have one, but how to present it, how to be competitive. You know, some of you guys I really feel for because you're living on center of influence deals and you think you've got it in the bag until the market changes on you and sellers start scrutinizing more. And then, you know, you might find out the hard way. So I don't want that for them, but they have to take action.
1: And so, of course, we're going to teach you how to generate leads, but we're not just going to tell you to go and buy leads. We're never going to tell you to buy buyer leads. That's the height of stupidity. We're going to tell you guys to how, to, how to generate listing leads, mostly for free. Not a bunch of clever ads or direct mail or social networking campaigns, but how to actually do the real work in real estate and go after the mo- most motivated leads out there, which are seller leads. And what we're going to experience, and listen to what I'm saying, podcast listeners, is we're going to experience what is going to feel like a wonderful return, and Julian are going to talk about the headlines, yep. of a very powerful seller's market. And then towards the end of the year, all the listings- that were for sale, that were overpriced, or the listing agents didn't know how to get the price down, or maybe the sellers were only moderately motivated, but towards the end of the year, they're very motivated. All those are going to be expired. And they're going to happen at the most perfect time of the year for those of you guys wanting to build momentum, frankly, at the end of the year during the holidays when most of their agents aren't working, you're going to be able to then go after the expires. But you need to know what to say. You need to have a listing, uh, pre-listing pack. You need to have all the things that we teach you so you can finally stop faking it, if we're really using real words here, and you can actually drill down and be a true real estate professional so that when you walk into any situation with any seller, you know exactly what to say and how to say it, opposed to basically walking in there in pins and needles. they don't ask you a hard question. Mm,
2: Yes, that's right. One of the other things that I've seen um, progressing, Tim, is the need for strategy. This is something that they didn't have to deal with on this this high of a level. So one of the um, common things that I'm seeing is sellers wanna take advantage of pricing still being good, but they're not sure where they're gonna move to. So guess where they're going? Short-term vacation rental property leases, 90 days to six month leases as their interim solution, which also helps those, you know, VRBO owners out, build you a new relationship. So how many agents are not pursuing listings because they get that objection, I'd sell it, but I don't know where I'm going to go. Well, you better have the skill to find some place for them to go, or they're not going to sell either.
1: Well, so So anyway. (laughs) We didn't even plan on talking about all this. I know.
2: Strategy, though, is, you know, you, you have to be able to have multiple solutions for multiple situations. So
1: I'm hearing yeah. people say this, which is frankly, incredibly annoying, but it's what? worth saying you have to, in a market like this, you have to get back to the basics. And I always think to myself, yeah. all right, so what exactly does that mean? And the and the <laughs> fact is, is that, so the, yeah, it is funny because what, it, what that means is uh, that the basics are everything other than the real work of real estate. That's really what the basics yeah. mean to most people. In other words, um, here's a simple way of knowing whether you're on the right path and you're going to basically come out of the other end of this year having a great year or just basically being on your heels. Here's, here's the question or here's the thought. Stop being creative, mm-hmm. right? Stop being creative. Everything that you're doing right now that requires you to be creative, don't do it. What you have to do now is the real work. You have to actually be yep. willing to pick up the phone. You have to actually be willing to go to meet with sellers, actually willing to do the things that you don't want to do. And sometimes when Julie and I do live presentations back when, you know, that happened, right. <laughs> we'd always ask everyone in the audience to write down the three things uh, that they want to do the least in their real estate business that would lead mm-hmm. to a paycheck the fastest. So we always ask that question yeah. and, and that it's you're putting those two thoughts together. What you see people doing is sometimes they start writing a thing down and then they stop and you see a lot of people scratching things off because they <laughs> yeah, don't want to admit that they know what they're avoiding is the very thing that's going to put money in their pocket the fastest.
2: Yeah. It's not that they don't know what to do. They just don't want to do it. That's right. <laughs> that's the difference, right? Yeah, that's kind of where our saying "doing." doing so if you, you want to call it basics. That's fine. But you know, that's the same stuff that, that works. You just have to have basics with skill behind it. So Right. Um all right so I would say this Headlines. is a mixed headline another 2.1 million file jobless claims but total unemployed shrinks so this is interesting. First time jobs claims total 2.1 million last week slightly ahead of the 2.05 million that was the estimate. Continuing claims plunged plunged by nearly four million to just over 21 million, probably a clearer representation of the jobless level. So here's the the good part of this is continuing claims. Let's see where is it? First time claims uh, total since all right. So economists surveyed by Dow Jones had been looking for 2.05 million total, represented a decrease of 323 thousand from the previous week's upwardly revised 2.4 million. So, they're thinking that the decline in continuing claims suggests that the reopening of states is pushing businesses to rehire some of the people they let go when the virus hit. So, it's not that unemployment doesn't still completely suck. Of course, those numbers are terrible, but maybe it's not still going up. Maybe it's leveling off. So, I would say that's, you know, fairly positive news, but still crappy numbers. Let's see, what's next? Um, headlines 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 all right well there's some interesting stuff going on um you know everybody's trying to get things back to business and here's a good one it says uh to lure back tourists cyprus says it will cover costs if they contract coronavirus well that's interesting If a visitor to Cyprus, I think Cyprus is off the coast of Italy. I think that that's right. I hadn't looked it up yet. Uh, If they test positive for coronavirus this summer, the government will cover many of their expenses, including food, drink, and lodging, according to a new plan that maps out how the island nation can revive its crucial tourism industry. The Cyprus government is committed to taking care of all travelers who test positive during their stay as well as their families and close close contacts. The plan states the government will cover the cost of lodging, food, drink, and medication in all cases mentioned above. The traveler will only need to bear the cost of their airport transfer and repatriation flight. Well, that's called objection handling. Okay, right? I mean, what else are you going to do? So I thought that was kind of a crafty, interesting way to get some uh, tourism business back
1: now I'm going to share with you guys a headline and this is from zero hedge and this article is um, very doom and gloom as far as the headline goes. But I want to translate it for you because again, this is an example. If you don't know how to read the information and the, uh, and frankly, the intention of the person yes. writing the article, you're easily going to basically be a little confused. So pending home sales plummet 35% year over year, biggest drop as buyers forfeit deposits, right? And it went, it shows this big scary graph and all that. But the graph ends right before basically essentially where you would expect it to end at the scariest point. But then, doesn't it make sense that there would be a thirty-five percent drop off in home sales? How could there not be? People literally couldn't leave their homes. So, is that really a headline? And really, what's fascinating, and we're and we've been sharing this with you guys all week. Again, this we knew this was going to happen. It was obvious. All the you know delayed purchases from the spring are being pushed forward. Um, But I'll give you. I'm going to take a little. You know side trip here with you guys another thing that's happening i had this conversation on another zoom meeting i did today is there definitely is a frugality fatigue Mm -hmm. that's taken hold and there's different ways of thinking of it julie explain to me what frugality fatigue is Well,
2: frugality fatigue we saw that in the recession as well as this time around where you know at a certain point people have just kind of had it they have had it with staying at home they've had it with not being able to go to restaurants or movies or getting your hair cut all these things You get exhausted with your own frugality and you want to just get back to it and do some stuff. And, you know, the online retailers have really absolutely benefited from that because that's the only outlet people have had. But yeah, you know, frugality fatigue is just, you know, you you can only, it's unsustainable. I guess, is the way to to put
1: it. And so there was the last occurrence. So frugality fatigue, I remember after September 11th.
2: We have, remember that too. Where
1: people basically... So frugality fatigue that happened after the recession was just because people got so sick of essentially not being able to spend money and enjoy life. Where the one after September 11th, that sort of wave of frugality fatigue, that came from uh, people realizing that life is short and i better go out and do the things i've been procrastinating yeah. or the things i always said i was going to do and I, and that's how i started this zoom meeting today or what are the things that you are been that, that maybe this uh, coronavirus is causing you to reprioritize or to move up and schedule like what are the things you've really wanted to do with your life at this point that you haven't done yet that you keep on you know basically putting off for tomorrow and the group had a lot of great answers and some of them were very practical depending on their age and you know one guy wanted to pay off four of his rental properties uh, but somebody else wanted to buy a big you know swath of land that has a beautiful view of a mountain and somebody else wanted to build their dream house on lake austin and with a you know really deep boat dock just all these really and so the next thought beyond that that is, okay, how long have you been thinking about that? In many cases, it's been decades. And then How if you were to accomplish this, what were the three things you'd have to do right away? And we drilled down on what those three things were. And with a little bit of work, they quickly figured out that these are things they could all have accomplished in three years or less if they just decided to prioritize. Because what I sense is happening is a lot of people are saying, you know what? Who knows, this thing came out of nowhere. I now realize I don't have forever to basically do what I want to do with my life. What are the things I have to stop doing? And that was the next question I asked for them. So in order for you to basically accomplish that goal, What are the three things that you have to stop doing now that if you keep doing will inevitably prevent you from the accomplishment of that goal? And some of the answers were fantastic. Uh, and always, you know, we're real estate coaches, so the, and they're real estate agents. So their answer went, answers went back to, well, I need to start having more conversations with people. I need to stop wasting time sitting in front of my computer, you know, thinking about what to do and trying to be creative. That's my, you know, obvious translation of what they said. But that was the essence of it. So they already, again, knew what they had to do. It was the very things that they had been avoiding doing. By the way, if you guys want to know more about our coaching program, just text the word education to 31996. Text the word EDUCATION to 31996. Go ahead and do that now while you're thinking about it. Text the word EDUCATION to 31996, and one of our new member coaches will call you right back. So with regards to this article, pending home sales plummet 35% year-over-year, biggest drop ever as buyers forfeit deposits. Okay, now what's on the other side of that? What you're going to see and what we're already seeing from our coaching clients Um, And from other um, sources, like I was on a great call today with some of the leadership at eXp Realty. And let me give you guys another little flight of fancy fancy here. So year over year, there was was a a very interesting article that came out from Remax. I didn't tell you about this, by the way. So Remax in a year span, I think it was from April of 2019 to April of 2020, and this is from their own public filings. Supposedly, I I didn't read through it, so I'm only passing along what I was told. Well, it added a total of four agents, so the entire company only grew by four agents, and in the same time plane time frame, EXP grew by over ten thousand. So, if That's you start, amazing. it is amazing. Well, and EXP is really growing now too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was able to hear their growth statistics. And I have to say, it doesn't surprise me. It pleases me that so many agents are finally realizing that ultimately they are responsible for their own, you know, financial outcomes. Their their own. Uh, you know Whether they are or aren't going to ever be financially free, it's not going to be predicated on how many houses they sell and awards the they get. Agents are finally waking up to the fact that what you and I have been saying for years, Julie, that you don't get rich selling real estate. You get rich with, with the money, the profit you have from selling real estate. So in order for you to actually accomplish financial freedom, you actually have to have profit. Mm-hmm. Well, so the world is sort of coming around to that. And again, that's another thing that's happening is this pandemic. People are saying, I don't think consciously yet, but you can see it through their behaviors. They're asking themselves, why is it that I've been living the way I've been living? You know, the question I asked Julie yesterday in the podcast, what are the things that you were doing before that you're not going to do now uh, as far as daily routine and activity um, as a result of this pandemic? Mm -hmm. You just aren't going to do this anymore. You realize the you know, futility futility Futility. of it, and so you're just not going to participate anymore. And these are the types of thoughts that maybe they're – uh, you know, percolating inside of you, but maybe if you need to start verbalizing them then so you can actually solidify the forward momentum that you want to build and stop doing the things that you know will ultimately stand in the way of, you know, actually becoming free. And I'll give you, you know, obvious examples like wasting money on branding, wasting money on building an unprofitable team, wasting money on building an unprofitable brokerage. If your goal is, is truly to have financial freedom where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. And it's not just an expression of your ego. Like when I have conversations with you guys with brokerages asking, you know, you guys want to move over to eXp. I have these conversations with brokerages on a regular basis. And I ask you sometimes, and a lot of you don't remember, why it is you started your brokerage in the first place. And it is never for a reason, financial reasons. It's always the same reason people start teams, because you think that's what you're supposed to do. Okay, I've already, you know, accomplished this in real estate, this in real estate, this in real estate, like some sort of video game. And the next thing for me to do is start essentially building teams and building a brokerage. If you actually, and that's how many of you act, you don't think like that, but that's what you actually do. And then you do these things without doing a real drill down analysis on, why am I doing it? You're doing it because you're of your ego. You're not doing it for financial reasons. You're not doing it thinking through your business brain. You're doing it because people are pressuring you to do it or because you think you're supposed to do it in order to progress in your career. All these emotional, non-logical, non-business decision-making filters. When you remove those, and I ask Well, if you had to do all over again, you've been in the brokerage business for 15 years now. If you had an opportunity like essentially you do now with eXp uh, and doing your own brokerage, what would you do? And they all never, never do they say they would have done their own brokerage because being a broker has traditionally just made you broke. But in a changing market like this, it's just going to make you flat broke. There's some realities for you. If you guys want to have a conversation with uh, me about moving your brokerage over to eXp, Just take the fast track and just do this now. Just text me at 512-758-0206 and just text me EXP and you and I will have a conversation. I'll text you back usually within an hour or less and then we can have the conversation. For those of you who are just EXP curious, you just want to watch a nine-minute video, get some information, I have that available for you as well. Just text the word EXP to 31996. Just text the word EXP to 31996. So with regards to this zero hedge article, here's the punchline. Of course, home sales were crap. But now on the flip side to it is now they're going to come back. So you're going to see the biggest drop off in the economy in the history of the United States. And then you're going to see the biggest recovery or something that's going to look like an amazing recovery. But of course, it's going to look like that, guys, because it's coming off basically the floor. So there it is. There's the bad news. 35% drop. But then the good news, which is going to be they'll be reporting on it probably in a month, you're yeah. going to see this huge increase. But remember, all these drops and increases still don't put us back to where we were. We have a long way to go before we actually are where we were just you know 90 days ago as far as the economy. Julie?
2: That's right. So, the numbers that they're reporting that 35% drop off are because of mid March and April sales that didn't happen, right? When everybody was in more extreme lockdown. Now that we're at the end of May, they're reporting March and April. So, um, uh, to your point, a month from now, they're going to be reporting things bouncing back. But remember, bouncing back from zero, (laughs) it doesn't take much to have some good reporting on that. Your job is to participate at the highest level in that bounce back. Um, did you want to talk about this uh, CNBC tweet article? I'll talk about that, that. That's going okay.
1: what I loves and hates. And all right. Loves and well, hates. So let, yeah. let, me, let me just start. Those of you who have not joined the free coaching program, those of you who have not actually embraced all the, the financial lifelines from the government, we've essentially decoded all that information for you and it's free. All you have to do is text the word survival to 31996. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link that you have to click. And when you do, you're going to be able to join our free coaching program. It's not the same, obviously, as the coaching program you pay for, not even close, but at least it's going to get you started and give you some direction in your business. So just text the word survival to 31996 and you will find all the information on the you know SBA programs, the PPP, the EIDL loan. The, uh, you know, all the things that will frankly put money in your pocket if you follow the directions in the coaching program relatively quick and put you in a better financial position. Um, And we are, yes, we are enjoying and we are absolutely embracing and loving this boom market that all of you guys are going to experience over the next four to six months, but realize on the other side of that is a huge amount of uncertainty and every reason to believe that the economy and the housing market and everything else is going to then be in a very slow, if not a depressive state. So make the most of it now. Make the most money you can now, frankly. Be very prudent with your money. Learn what you have to learn to survive through the next phase in the housing and the economy, which is probably going to start at the end of this year. All right. So Julie, I have
2: uh, things I love, okay? I think, you know, this is very interesting. I love a good historic housing um, piece. Okay, so this is from, if you guys want to look it up, CNBC. An entire village in Sweden is on sale for just over $7 million. The pictures are stunning. The coronavirus pandemic may have brought most of the global property market to a standstill, but in Sweden, which never fully went into lockdown, a village has gone up for sale for 70 million Swedish krona, which is about $7.3 million. It's called Satra Brun and it is a quote, wellness village on the outskirts of the Swedish capital of Stockholm. The village dates back to 1700 when Dr. Samuel Scraggy discovered the water source at Satra and bought the surrounding land. He then built a well, a well house, a hospital, a church, and housing. This was at a time when natural springs soared in popularity as drinking and bathing in high-quality water was thought to have a rebalancing and healing effect on one's health and well-being. Word spread about the healing properties of Satra Brun's water, attracting the local elite to build summer homes on the land, which have since been donated to the land's owners. Um, Guests were invited to drink the town's water every day. Then in the 1740s, the grounds and houses were bought by a bishop who for a few years, le- after a few years, left it to Uppsala University, one of Sweden's top universities. They then sold it to 16 local entrepreneurs, and the village has since been run as a spa and events venue. I'm looking at these pictures.
1: It's this stunning. place is awesome. It's yeah. It's
2: absolutely... It, it, you know, when I first saw the article, I thought, well, that's got to be a big rundown mess, but... No, I mean, they're, they're fantastic. Um, there's a bottling business that's operated in the village, and that's included in the sale, so it comes with some income there. The village ex- itself stretches across almost 60 acres, with another 84 acres of undeveloped land included in the purchase. Um, so, it's uh, itself is registered as a limited company, meaning there's no restrictions for foreign buyers, according to the broker, Jonas Martinson, who described the architecture of the village as a walk through time. So... That's something I love. I, I just think that, that's. I mean, how is yeah. that not it, probably a lot of operation and a lot of upkeep? But what could you do with something like that? That's Ugh. that's just like incredible to even think well, about. Here's I love other, stories like that. Here's
1: the other fun part: is Sweden was the country. Only country in the world that actually allowed for huge herd, herd immunity, immunity. Yeah. who did not put people in quarantine, mm-hmm. who did not essentially make it so that people, you know, had to essentially give up their rights. Sweden said, the reality of it is, is there's going to be a You're vaccine. You're going to get sick. Some You're going to get exactly. sick. Exactly. And this is just something we all have to get through, just like everything else. So they let people mingle and they squirreled away the people that were most vulnerable. And as a result of that, that's somebody trying to call me, on uh, my... I'm not sure. I, oh, you know what that is? That is my silly
2: eye oh, watch, which I, watch. I don't know you're wearing. Okay. Great.
1: Well, so the moral of the story is that's a great story. All right. So I'm going to share with you guys something I actually don't like at all, and this is something um, I'm going to read this to you guys, and then I'm going to explain it. First of all, there's a section 230 in the in the law. Section 230 was created to allow online. Uh, platforms to engage in good Samaritan moderation of objectionable material without being treated as a publisher or a speaker. In effect, some conservatives have claimed it also has allowed them to get away from removing political views they uh, object to. Social media companies like Twitter and Facebook have vigorously denied such accusations ahead of the White House's announcement about the executive order, Senator, duh, 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 and then what goes into some politics. Now, I want you guys to know what that is. All right, so I think this happened back in the 90s. Uh, back back in the 90s this section 230 made it so that uh let's see content that was created on sites like Yelp, Twitter, Facebook did not even if it was slanderous, libelous, absolute garbage lies, you could not complain to, you know, any of these places where it's essentially consumer created content You could not complain to them and get them to remove the content. They wouldn't do it. And you couldn't, uh, in essence, they weren't legally liable to. So Twitter, let's say, for example, who is, let's argue that that's now a, a media site. In essence, it is, right? It's media, Facebook, media. You know, people are going there for news those companies are not held to the same standard as, say, a Time magazine or, say, a Newsweek or any of the other major media outlets. If somebody in a normal news media outlet produces information that is uh, wrong, they can be sued for it. And that is, you know, think about that, guys. It's a much higher standard. So here's another more practical way for you, those of you listening. Yelp has been the worst at allowing absolutely horrible... um, Unproven accusations to happen against all kinds of small businesses for years. And this has been a real point of contention. You know, it, without getting into the weeds, Julie and I were reading. I had a, I actually had a coaching client, and this coaching client was attacked by a competitor who basically went on to Yelp and under three different accounts used a proxy so that Yelps didn't recognize it as being the same IP address Mm -hmm. very complicated this person's business did not have a lot of reviews so the negative reviews that this guy was putting up were showing immediately to the first page and then he went on some of these other websites and he's this competitor was saying just completely erroneous garbage facts Right, and I'm, you know, obviously I didn't check any of this. I assume my coaching client was telling me the truth. So then I thought, well, why can't you just, you know, fill out some form on the Yelp website and yeah. tell them that this is just a bunch of crap and this is the reason why? And and I was shocked to learn about this Section 230. So literally, Yelp's response when he um, was, you know, mad and trying to figure out what to do is Yelp basically said you have to lawyer up. You have to go essentially to a judge and file a thing to get us to force us to tell you where the IP address was, essentially not who posted it, but where the post came from, and maybe who posted it based on user data, okay? But they had
2: to basically sue Yelp to get that, right? And it's not over.
1: Yeah, you had to spend money to get the information out of Yelp to find out who actually... Then after you got that that information and spent that money, then you had to basically go file a lawsuit against the person that um, posted the information, and then they would maybe or maybe not remove the you know lose, and then they would remo- uh, remove the post as part of the settlement. But for most people, for most small business owners, they don't have the money to go through all that rigmarole. They don't have all the you know the time and the effort to go through all that pain. That's the reason those sites, all of their content. There's no real policing of it, and when you hear about you know Jack Dorsey basically who is evidently deciding through his algorithm you know what and, and who and what is going to say what and who and all the rest of it, you guys have to realize what this is is an erosion of to the uh, you know essentially freedom of speech. And whether it's a private company or a publicly held company, they should all be held to the same standard. So if it wasn't for this Section 230. All of these sites that have been built, all of these companies that have, you know, essentially gone public, predicated on user-provided information, reviews. Think about them, guys. There's zillions of them, um, and all of those companies, if Section 230 wasn't in existence, would be able to, you'd be able to hold them liable for allowing this horrible information on. I, I when I was researching this, all these things are coming back in my head. There were articles where there was like a group of, this is always the teen girl story, right? Mm -hmm. Where teen girls were attacked on, you know, Twitter and all these nasty girls that this was like a middle school, you know, ganged up around, you know, and just said all this horrible garbage and the little girl ends up killing herself. And then, okay, so who's, who's to be held responsible for that? Well, not Twitter. No, no, nope. not Twitter. They're just a platform. Yeah, they're just a platform. They're not held to the same standard. Imagine if that would have shown up like that in a real media, like New York Times. I mean, yeah. guys, the there's a idea. lot of
2: stories like that. I remember I read one about um, there was a new restaurant opening in New York City, and it was a Chinese restaurant. And you know, like the the locals found out that it was owned by somebody who wasn't Chinese. In less than two weeks, they ruined her grand opening and basically killed the restaurant because they went to Yelp and said, well, she's not even Chinese. And where does she get off serving Chinese food? It was like the dumbest thing ever, but it ruined her business.
1: That's right. So anyway, moral of the story is when you hear the headlines about the president complaining about uh, Twitter, look how that's being essentially spun to make it sound yeah. like he's the one that's trying to erode freedom of speech. The reality of it is, is the, the media answer. outlets of Twitter, Facebook, and I can't even imagine, look, any kind of site where you go and you put up your opinion, where you're then not forced to remove something, even if it's, you know, liable. Well,
2: especially if you don't use your own name.
1: Right, exactly. I mean,
2: that's just asking for that kind of stuff. It is,
1: which you can totally get away with on all these websites, yeah. right? That shouldn't be, guys, that's that's horrible. And that stuff lingers on the internet forever. Um, and so this, you know, coaching client in particular, um, you know, I actually now even remember who, who it is, mm-hmm. yeah the coaching client's name is Stacy. That's all I'll say. Uh, This coaching client in particular, they then had to essentially suffer. I told him what to do after we figured it out. Uh, But for years, he had to suffer essentially having to overcome what was actually going on uh, with this competitor who just kept on going after him and after him. Now, here's a little special thought for all of you. If you are a virtual business, if you do not have a physical location um you actually can have your Yelp uh, account removed. So in case you didn't know it, if you are a bricks and mortar l- local business, Yelp has a profile up there for you now, whether you asked for it or not. And I'll tell you what really got me going down this rabbit hole when I was trying to help Stacy, which was really fascinating, was that all the iBuyer companies were getting horrible reviews on Yelp. And what happened was is the iBuyer companies, essentially threw some inside baseball, and I read this article originally on Inman, this was mm-hmm. like four or five years ago, they figured out that, guess what? they're not a they're a virtual company. They have no physical location. They don't meet the criteria to have a Yelp profile. And then Yelp like without any fanfare removed all the accounts for all these iBuyer companies, thus removing all the negative uh, garbage that the consumers were experiencing that they were bitching about on Yelp, right? So if you're working for eXP Realty right now, I would strongly suggest that you tell yelp to remove your uh your listing if there is one for you on yelp do not participate in these companies because it's once the bell is rung and somebody has posted some garbage piece of information about you, it is, is expensive and as much of a pain in the ass as I've described to basically make it go away. So the best move, especially if you're working for a virtual company like eXp Realty, is to remove your profile altogether. It's in a violation of their own terms of service and do that immediately. Any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to take care of the problem. Good objection, handling because they're not probably going to change their ways. I wouldn't imagine.
1: No, and, and you know, and, and
2: how is it put upon the basically the person that's being victimized? It doesn't work like that in in the rest of the world, so it's ridiculous. It's just you know. And, and it's not ridiculous. just Yelp. There's there's more of them than I think. Better Business Bureau has some of those problems well, too. Well, Better
1: Business Bureau actually yeah. had a lot of problems. It was actually proven that the Better Business mm-hmm. Bureau yeah. would, uh, in essence, if you had either a real or a fake negative review, mm-hmm. would hoist it up to number one,
2: unless you paid.
1: And then, Mark, it, yeah. it, it call you and say, hey, guess what? You want to make this review go away? I'm obviously, this is a, what was it? This was way back in the 90s. There was a whole, um, remember when people actually trusted the news? It was like yeah. ABC News, one of those mm-hmm. investigative report Ad- shows, yeah. whatever it was. Anyway, that's what they—that's what the conclusion was, and and then they, you know, Better Business Bureau changed its ways. But those bureaus and all that—they got to make a profit too. And what Yelp's game is, obviously, they want to sell you ads. Now they say, and that, that there's no correlation between how much you spend with them as a company and what ad, what uh, reviews they allow to appear, whether they're good ones or the bad ones. They say that. I don't know if it's true or not. I've never really investigated. it. What I do know is you shouldn't even play in that sandbox anyway. Don't even have a Yelp profile. Don't, if you cannot, if you're a virtual company, if you're a virtual agent at a virtual company, opt out of all that garbage. Don't even, don't even participate in it because it really is a potential grenade to the pin pulled, and mm-hmm. that goes for all those review site companies, including Zillow reviews. If you guys want to have re- real reviews, here's how you do it: you have your own website, you ask your uh, centers of influence, past clients for real reviews you show up to closings you show up at their door you pull out your iPhone you have them give you a 15 to 30 minute video review you put those on iTunes or I'm sorry you put those well maybe iTunes you put those on um, YouTube you put those on your own website and you start building your own profile of reviews you don't wait around well, which for someone you'll to do have it for control you.
2: over right, right. Mean, then then it's back the control is back in into your hands because people will look you know they you need to have something online the, the What I've found is people that make their decisions off of Yelp, for example, a lot of people go there looking for bad reviews. So if instead they land on what you've controlled and, you know, most of you guys have killer reviews. I've seen the video testimonials. You don't want that to be buried under somebody's crackpot opinion of you because, you know, they lost a real estate deal and you were the listing agent. I've seen that with coaching clients. Of course. People post. It's not even their clients. It's somebody well, else's here, that I lost just out.
1: Listen to this headline. Okay, this is a for example. What guys, Julie? This is really making Julie I's nice point very salient. So the headline from an Inman newsletter I just got today is "Talk to My Lawyer: lawsuits Between Buyers and Sellers Soar Amid Virus." So do you? You yeah. guys don't think? that those pissed off buyers and sellers aren't going to be going online oh, yeah. and, and writing, as Julie said, crackpot reviews And they always about write it the when agents. they're pissed. Of course. You know, it's no.
2: always the most salacious thing because they're all fired up.
1: Exactly. And, and they're just, you know, they're spiteful. And even if they're wrong, that's the thing. They can lie. They can create up facts. They can just, you know, whatever. And unless you go through that horrible process that I just described to you, you're not going to get it removed. So, <laughs> conclusion. Do
2: something about it.
1: Don't participate <laughs> at all. Yeah. So I was really glad to see... Jack Dorsey and all these other media sites because that is what they are. Um, you know they call themselves social networking sites, but they're definitely media sites. They sell access to information. They sell ads based on the backs of, you know, consumer provided content. That is a media site. They're selling ads for people to read their site. That is a media site. They are absolutely need to be held to the same standard as traditional media does, and that means that you will magically start to see all the salacious, political, nasty garbage go away how about all the you know if if there was or wasn't Uh, Russian interfering after the 2016 election, where they're on these little private social networking groups, creating all these fake profiles. And and then there was word that got out after 2016 that Facebook knew about it, but they didn't do anything about it. Well, you don't think that they would approach that whole thing differently if the section 304 wasn't done away with, where they could be held legally responsible for the content on their website. So I I hate the fact that that exists. And that was based, all this comes back, right? Mm -hmm. That was a result of a bunch of lobbying Mm -hmm. that started in California Mm -hmm. by tech companies back like in the 90s, early 1000s. Um, that were to a specific group of California-based senators, if I remember correctly. And they're the ones that pushed that through way back when. Hmm. And, of course, nobody knew back then what you know no, what this what would grow into. Would so, yeah. yeah, there you go. So that's what I love and uh, I, that's what I hate. And that's what I love because you, as an individual practitioner, especially if you're with EXP, can do something about it. And in the meantime, I love the fact that it does seem that that is going to be a little loophole in the insane yep. world of social networking that's going to be closed. Anything that's else you'd like to say? Right. To well, guys? for all
2: my uh, nerd bag colleagues that have been watching the launch <laughs> of SpaceX's um, Falcon 9, the 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 mission was scrubbed yesterday. They, they came within 10 minutes of being the perfect launch weather. And of course, you know, they decided not to take the risk. So, that, so for those of you who are watching it, it's taking off from Cape Canaveral. The next opportunities to try will be Saturday at 322 p.m. Eastern, and then Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern if that one doesn't work out. So watch it. You can go. Uh, NASA is always on YouTube live. And I, you know, I was just really feeling for the, you know, of course they're astronauts, so they're probably badasses and have together mentally, one would hope. But can you imagine the ramp up emotionally and physically and mentally to be ready to strap yourself to a rocket? And fly into outer space. Or the sense of
1: relief when they told you you don't have to go. Exactly.
2: And, you know, they they just calmly kind of zipped up all of their equipment. You know, it looked like they were tucking in their their earbuds or whatever. And uh, then they had to sit there for a while because they have to unramp all of the fuel before it's safe to get out. But I was just thinking what an emotional roller coaster that must be.
1: Yeah, well, a fun one, though.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is really a great unifying thing that the country can get behind. It's an exciting moment. So watch for it coming up Saturday afternoon.
1: Guys, be excited, be happy, be grateful, be in action. Don't just sit around and, you know, wait. You have to go out there right now and help as many people as you can. Make as much money as you can um, by obviously being of service to other people. What's going to come in fourth quarter into next year, nobody knows. Um, And if we find reasons to believe it's going to be, frankly, a thing to celebrate, we will tell you. But for now, we are sticking to the idea, hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. A lot of you guys have spent too much time in the hoping thing and not the preparing thing, right? And that's the reason that so many of you were caught by surprise financially when the wheels came off the wagon 90 days ago. Don't let that happen again. Please listen to your coach or your future coaches. In the meantime, if you guys need us for anything, especially if you want to talk with me about EXP. Feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. Have a fantastic day.
0: This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com.